Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Do you have a sense that today, in politics in 2020, that the so-called leaders, leaders of their party, not necessarily the country, that the so-called leaders are choosing the path of least resistance or the path of least opposition or the path that will get them into the least amount of trouble uh, and, and create the most potential for being elected as opposed to just really pragmatically looking after the affairs of the people. I couldn't agree more. I think exactly that's what's happening. And, I, and to really to hone it home politically right now, I think one of the areas that nobody has talked about in the last number of years uh, wh- where the functioning has broken down, not only the House of Commons, Cabinet, and, and, Prime, and, and, and the First Minister, where all the powers left Parliament, gone to, gone to the Privy Council, gone to the, Privy, to, to the Prime Minister's office. But the other area, which I think your listeners may be interested in, is in the parties themselves. Uh, years ago, when I was leader, our caucus meetings were unbelievably productive and individual MLAs got an opportunity to debate the policy that a cabinet minister was coming to cabinet with and would have to go to caucus with as well (coughs) so that the party (coughs) and the party members and the members of the legislature for that party had a real opportunity to have feedback into that public policy which would come down three or four or five weeks later. I don't think that happens anymore. I think the caucus meetings are staged by the leaders and by the leaders' uh, henchmen, or what do you want to call them, aides and advisors and, and some of his key cabinet ministers. So that's the other area where in public policy today, the, part, the, for, the, 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 the uh, elected MPs and MLAs uh, in our various legislatures and in the Parliament of Canada are not even getting an opportunity within their own caucuses to have the kind of input that they used to have years ago, notwithstanding the fact that they have it hardly at all within the legislature itself or within the House of Commons itself. You know, uh, you don't have to drift too far to come up with a perfect example of this. Michelle Simpson, who is part of our Beauties and the Beast panel we put together periodically on issues that matter to this country, and was a liberal member of parliament and was the seatmate to Justin Trudeau, when they sat in opposition, because alphabetically, you know, it was, it right. was S&T, Simpson and Trudeau. Uh, Michelle pointed out to us, and has told us on the air very clearly, that she decided when she was elected, she was going to be posting her expenses, or her MP expenses, online. Yep. She did that, and she was called into the leader's office, and she was given a talking to... And she was given instructions to stop this. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. I am going to let people know what my expenses are. That's my responsibility. Instead of me changing to your way of being secret about it, why don't you change to the way I do it? Well, they then said to her, look, if you do it our way, we'll give you a bigger office with its own bathroom. Yeah, I know. Right? You know how it goes. And then she still refused they took away her speaking privilege in Parliament to the point that she wasn't even allowed to acknowledge the death in battle of a Canadian soldier who was her 21-year-old constituent, died in Afghanistan. She wasn't allowed to mention that in Parliament. One of the problems with what you just recorded, or what you just related, and the people who are listening, most of the people I suspect that are listening to your program, believes what you just said. 
in the larger Canadian audience, once that gets percolated from your listeners out to their friends, I hazard a guess that at least 50% or more do not believe what was said just then. Or, if they do believe it, they deliberately ignore it because they don't want to deal with serious problems in our country. And that goes to health care, that goes to education, that goes to productivity, that goes to our debt. And so it is ignored. And that is the collective uh, problem intellectually, rationally, that we have in our country right now. That when people like you or me or your listeners convey what is factual, it has nothing to do with party, one or the other, but it's factual information which negatively impacts upon our image as a nation. We don't seem to be mature enough to be able to process it properly and correct it remedially within a short period of time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can't disagree at all. Uh, Premier, let's get to the issues, and we'll have to go through them quickly um, because of my fault and uh, the issues you wanted to talk about, the U.S. Democratic Party. Well, uh, I, I think what has happened in the United States, unfortunately, is that uh, they're, uh, they, they never thought in the wildest dreams that Donald Trump would get elected, and uh, when he did, they uh, are still um, uh, suffering terribly uh, politically in, in their minds and, and mentally over this and have not really got over it, and that uh, we've gone through a Mueller investigation You've now gone through an impeachment thing, and sure, the election is just around the corner in this November. So I think what, in order to improve the health of American politics, is that the Democratic Party, which is quite divisive right now and uh, within its own ranks, and what's happened in Iowa, which shows that uh, they can't even run uh, an effective uh, primary, that they really need to get their own act together. And that, if they do, will contribute to better politics in the United States and a better election uh, and uh, for, for then for people to uh, accept the outcome. And segueing directly to the Democrat-engineered uh, impeachment trial of Donald Trump in the Senate and the Republican-engineered acquittal of the, of the, uh, of the president. Yeah, uh, well, here, here it's quite... It's quite obvious to me from, and I've 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 followed this very very closely for the ever since it started and even before that, because uh, I've been interested in Canadian politics and taught it years ago, uh, Canadian governance. When you have somebody like Alan Dershowitz and when you have somebody like Professor Jonathan Turley, two admitted Democrats, both constitutional experts, say that this impeachment process was wrong. Uh, then, the, the, you know, people should take notice. There was no offense by the president which reached the level of impeachment under the Constitution. And this was a, an unbelievable waste of time. And surely now we can uh, move on and stop any more Mueller and impeachment investigations and let the election in November speak for the American people. And the Democrats should do that because after the acquittal of Donald Trump, in the Senate, engineered as it was by the Republicans, and the charge was engineered or the conviction in the in the in the uh, in, in the House, virtual conviction, 
was uh, engineered by the Democrats. Donald Trump's polling numbers have never been higher than they are now, and they jumped about 10 points after the acquittal. Premier, the Conservative Party of Canada is going through its leadership hunt. What do you say? I'm very sad. I'm very sad. As a, uh, as a progressive conservative premier years ago, as a supporter of the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada uh, for many years, and a supporter of the Conservative Party of Canada for a number of years, right now I'm non out of, I don't, I don't belong to any political party, and I, I have no membership in any political party, and now remain quite neutral in, in the whole affair. Uh, I find what's happening very sad because we don't have people coming forward and putting the names forward and really causing uh, you know the proper debate that's necessary in a big and historic party like the conservative party of canada it's disturbing to have people who would have a chance of being elected a good chance perhaps being elected prime minister of canada feeling that it is not something that they wish to pursue that to me speaks more about the mess than it does about the person who says no thanks. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, and it's very sad because Canadians really need to have a lively debate uh, within the Conservative Party of Canada about its future, about what it stands for, uh, develop a, 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 you know, a specific uh, a program of ideas uh, to put before the Canadian people. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen. We have 30 seconds for the federal debt. Uh, sadly, uh, the Fraser Institute, which is the top institute in Canada, think tank in Canada, one of the top, in the top 20 in the world, we, we, we should be really proud of the Fraser Institute, uh, has just come out with a, with a report which shows that Justin Trudeau's government is the only one in more than a century to increase per person debt without facing war or recession. Now, this is a pretty bad indictment about the financial management of our country since Justin Trudeau took over. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 